everybody. So we are here to continue in our uh, discussions about uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, this is the episode entitled Leith and uh, Leithy. Oh, Leithy. sorry. Leithy. Okay. Leithy. And this is episode six. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting episode because uh, it's very divisive as the show has turned out to be. Uh, it's, it was just fascinating to me that on uh, e e Entertainment Weekly on EW.com, they give it an A- minus this episode and says it's the, uh, that the show's sixth installment assaged doubts about the show's emotional edge, putting science on the back burner in favor of tense psychological drama. And it's as good an hour as the show has produced yet. So that's one side of the thing. And then we have at Forbes, their review says <laughs> it's, uh, it says that uh, the, it's the, be, let's see, characters behaving the opposite way of how we're told they behave. Black and white ethical situations, very little depth to the story or the characters. It's very much as though someone wrote an interesting plot line, plot outline, then it was turned into a joke of a space nightmare by a combination of poor writers and directors and some very good actors. So it's just very, very interesting, but <laughs> um, I got ahead of myself. So Tom is here uh, to talk about this with me. And uh, so which, uh, which side of the spectrum do you, do you land on with, uh, with Lethe this episode? Definitely more Entertainment <laughs> Weekly side, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. Why do you think that it, it is so divisive? I, uh, I can't even <laughs> tell. Well, I, the thing is, like, we're, we're messing with, um, they're messing with, with stuff that many people have come to hold sacred. Like, yeah, this is, this is intruded more on the original series than I think um, any other episode so far. Right. Um, it, it, uh, in terms of, like, uh, dealing with characters and situations, at the beating heart of the original series. So yeah, I think that, I think you're sensing some, some freak out around that, but like, I, I, I want to go find that Forbes review because frankly, that little clip was completely perplexing. I, I, it was one of those, you know, sometimes you read a review, you disagree with so hard. You're like, we're talking about the same thing, right? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it reminds me of that time that, um, the New York Times uh, did a review of Westworld. They're like, yeah, it's really confusing. It makes no sense. And then they had to print a retraction the next day saying that like the reviewer had watched the episodes out of order. <laughs> That's why it didn't make any sense. Well, yeah, this is a guest um, contributor. It's not one of their regular writers. It's a scientist. Yeah. And I'm wondering how, because there are some typos and different things that seem a little weird. And she keep, he keeps calling... Uh, her Lily instead of, uh, which seems strange for a, instead of Tilly. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah. So I, <laughs> I immediately. Yeah, big grain of salt with that. Yeah. That <laughs> um, so it's interesting. It's a, um, the guy who wrote it, where is it? Let me find it. Um, he's a scientist or something. He's not a, says astrophysicist and author ethan siegel uh anyway he's written books technology and beyond the galaxy so there you go okay a hardcore fan okay but anyway i just well, you know, the thing is like there are some things that some people yeah some people like different things about star trek and that's fine you know mm -hmm. if, if they don't if you don't like more emotional stories I, I guess that's one thing but then there's also this 
I think he's sort of reflecting some some fan outrage at sacred ground being tread here. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. We'll talk about that. And uh, I I'm also like you. I definitely side more with the EW review. I actually loved this episode. I thought it was amazing. I thought that it was emotional. I thought it was really well acted, really well done. I was engrossed. I was excited. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, like it's, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so it starts out, uh, with, uh, the, uh, Burnham, you see Burnham and Tally uh until you are running and she's sort of training tilly on how to become a captain and uh do you have any thoughts about that kind of part of the episode no it was cool um, i like that um we see their the mentor mentee relationship kind of growing and mm-hmm. um i like the the shout out to the enterprise um it also kind of deepens Starfleet a little bit. It gives you a sense of like, okay, if you were in Starfleet how, in the 23rd century, how would you go about becoming a captain if that's what you want yeah. to do? And it's kind of cool how she sort of outlines, okay, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like the way that she said that that uh, everybody will have uh, personality and everybody will have, uh, you know, you've got to be, you got to be, you know, physically and mentally prepared. You got to be better than everybody else. That, that was... That was good. And it kind of led right into sort of her story, her backstory of her own sort of training and her not, you know, getting accepted and her conflicted feelings about it here, her training Tilly, I thought sort of worked well as a narrative. Uh, yeah, no, I like, and I liked how they, they wrapped up that arc where, where um, Michael comes to apologize to Tilly and says, like, look, I didn't, I, I, like, I think basically the, the subtext of what she was saying was, my father tyrannized me with his expectations. I don't want to tyrannize you with mine. Mm, yeah. And what was so cool was that that was about Michael saying, forgiving herself and getting over it. Because Tilly's just like, no, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm good. I got self-esteem coming out my butt. I don't need, I don't need your approval. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, like, I thought that was great. Yeah, I did too. I really did. And so basically then you have this, the Vulcans are uh, sending Sarak and, Sarak and a companion to go to meet with the Klingons. They are trying to, it's like a peace, peace meeting uh, that mm-hmm. they're trying to do. So they're, with Sarak being closer to, uh, to Michael, to Burnham, uh, she uh, all of a sudden like, collapses and has this like uh mind mind warp i forget how they call what they call it uh but she has this vision uh with it where she, she kind of gets into sarek's head um mm-hmm. and uh and kind of feeling what Sarek's feeling, yeah. yeah and so yeah she sort of collapses and we get a couple of these sequences sort of throughout the episode out where she sees sort of i think sort of her side of this experience of the uh vulcan you know kind of academy and she you know she gets sent to starfleet instead she doesn't get accepted and it's this you know sort of devastating experience for her 
and mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah uh, and so yeah it's an interesting thing you know because they are uh this this particularly even mentioned spock in this uh scene what did you think about sort of this with sarek and burnham and sort of this experience i thought that was really cool the way they handled it in a sense that i like that um you saw it i like that burnham i like the change that burnham goes through in the course of the episode i Mm -hmm. like how yeah at first she's only thinking about herself and how it applies to her and this is how we think about our parents right until we get mm-hmm. to a certain age we're only thinking about them in terms of how what they've done or the decisions they've made affected us and we we tend not to think of our parents as people right and and the the, the this is what was so beautiful about this episode it could be just this this is an experience that's so universal it's something that it cuts across so many lines i identified so much with this but yeah you so burnham has to has to real forget about herself for a second and realize that this is Sarek dying. His death for Sarek is about Sarek, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we all th- just, we're all the star of our own movie. Everybody else is an extra, right? So she has to realize, recognize that, yeah, that's how he thinks about himself and how he thinks about the situation. So I, I, it, um, oh, what's his name? His name is escaping me right now. The new guy from Seattle, um, <laughs> which I thought that was cool that Seattle got a shout out. <laughs> Oh, um, you mean Lieutenant Ash uh, t- Tyler? Ash Tyler, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> God. Okay. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> I like how Tyler kind of stops her and says, "No, wait a second. Stop thinking about how that situation affected you, because that's not what he would be thinking about. That makes no sense." And that's yeah. when she turns the corner. So I thought that that whole change for Michael was cool, and that and framing it in that situation was great. Yeah, I really liked that quote. I think he says, I wrote it down. He says, why is he thinking of your failure? Where's the logic of that? And he says, I've been close to death. And you think about who you love and what you've done differently. What does he wish he'd done differently now? So, and yeah, it's interesting that uh, Michael uh, sort of evolve in her understanding of who uh her you know who who her Sarek was and that he really did love her in a way that she didn't understand and so i i really appreciate that in this episode and but you know at first she's kind of kind of bitter about it kind of uh or confused at the very least and so she's in this this mm-hmm. con she's in this thing can you explain what contra is in the show as far as this idea of contra uh, ca- the contra is the vulcan the vulcan soul contra uh, contra um, so uh, if you remember from star trek 3 um mm-hmm. at the end of star trek 2 Vol- uh, spock does a mind meld with mccoy just before he sacrifices himself to save the ship right, um, right. and then spock is quote dead in star trek 3 um mccoy is walking around talking like spock and like he's slipping into spock speak um and that's because he has he's carrying around Spock's soul in his body. And the point of that movie is to get um I like the way McCoy puts it, um, I'm carrying his marbles, right? Mm. So um the um oh I've got all his marbles is the word is the line. But anyway, um so they the the whole point is to get Spock's regenerating body from Planet Genesis, take McCoy and and Spock's new body to Vulcan and merge them um 
so what's what's happened and this is what's cool is that we get a little bit of clarification on stuff we saw in the uh pilot that was a little odd and confusing right so how is she okay. talking to sarah what this mysticism doesn't like this is weird this isn't totally matched with what we think we know about vulcan mysticism so what what's that about well now we know she was attacked by vulcan extremists and was actually dead completely dead three minutes and, uh yeah. sarah yeah, and Sarek saved her by patching a bit of his own katra into hers, in, in, into her body, right? And so she's, he's literally a part of her. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so they're still connected. And the closer they get to each other, the more connected that they are. Yeah. And yeah. It, it seemed like this uh, would be something yeah, she would have realized can, before, right? She would have had this experience many times, I would think. No, she, she didn't know that. Yeah, okay, she okay. she did. She we we saw that she had that experience in um in the pilot where she's mm-hmm. yeah there's a there is a holographic conversation with Sarek in right. that in the pilot, but there's also a, a psychic one mm-hmm. where that's he's right. meeting with her in a in a kind of a psychic weird psychic realm, right? And that's and that's actually what um, Stamets was sort of geeking out about is um, mm. oh well seriously you can do that with a Vulcan soul like. What does that? What does that mean metaphysically? Like, and he's kind of getting excited about it, and then Lorca interrupts with like, "We have exactly no time to, you know, debate what this means mm. about okay, yeah, or life or that's anything. right. I forgot about that. That's right. That's right. Okay, so basically, she has this this first experience, and uh, she uh, relives this experience from her youth. And then uh, Ash and Telly and Burnham all go to get Sarek. And, uh, and this right. is something that uh, Cornwell is totally uh, against. He's, she's against this mission. She's very uh, frustrated by it. What did you think of her character in this episode? Um, I think she's conflicted so like she on the one hand she she has to talk to him it's you know this is a situation that i've run into in my personal life or that i've seen up close anyway where um you know my wife and i um i, I help run uh, my a business that my wife and her partner her business partner are running uh-huh. um and i see up close where like they hire people um that they think will do a good job but then they may become friends with those people Right. Well, but then it became, gets sticky because they have to treat them both as a friend and as a boss. And right. they ha- there has to be a clear line. And so you kind of see um, uh, Corn- Cornwell uh, walking that line or trying to mm-hmm. with, with Lorca. Um, and um, that's kind of different. Like we've never seen that in an Admiral-Captain relationship in Trek before mm-hmm. where they really are friends. They really... St- they really, really, really like each other to the point that it's almost a romantic relationship. Yeah. We've never seen that before. So that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why do you think she's so opposed to uh, this particular, to this mission and what Lorca and um, what they're trying to do? Well, for the reasons that Starfleet is opposed to it, because it, they, I think they feel like they've got a tiger by the tail with Lorca. Mm. Um, right. Because he's this, he's this guy who's gone through really traumatic things and he's got the most powerful weapon uh, in the, the Federation has, you know, at his fingertips. Mm-hmm. And what is he going to do with it? Yeah. 
Yeah. And at this point in my notes, I wrote just beautiful episode. These scenes where like the ship is just surrounded by this like pink and blue. And like, I don't know. I just thought it was so beautiful. The, the cinematography, the visual effects, I just thought it looked gorgeous (laughs) in, uh, in this episode. And uh, yeah. And it was interesting because I think the, they Cornwell and, uh, and Lorca did have really good chemistry. And I think that you did feel like they really cared about each other and uh, that they both weren't, they were both being like honest with each other, but also like sort of not wanting to hurt each other, you know, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. I just thought it was really, really good. It feels like Sark is very disappointed in her that she's just this letdown because she didn't make it into the, uh, the Academy, right? <laughs> uh, didn't make it in uh, into the, 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 ex- the Vulcan expeditionary force, expedition. which is kind of the, the, the space exploration agency of the Vulcan people. Yeah. Right. So that's, what's really interesting is she thinks that he's very disappointed in her but in reality it turns out he's more disappointed in himself really for what he did so she goes into his uh into his mind that's when we get the line of why is why is he thinking of your failure at this time when he could die uh and and so we find out that he's basically given this sort of sophie's choice by the vulcan leadership that you can't have two of his children into this expedition uh, uh, group, and so he's forced to pick between Spock, who is half half human, half Vulcan, and uh, Burnham. And so he picks Spock. And uh, so, how did how did you feel about that? Oh, it was really interesting and exciting because um, the the conflict between Sarek and Spock. Um, goes way back, right? It's something that it's introduced in the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sark and Spock are both pretty stubborn guys and uh, um, their relationship is always rocky. Um, and, it, and it stretches clear into the next next generation as well. There's next generation episodes about them. Um, it's, so it's like this crosses over, like I said, this is sacred ground for Trekkies, um, the conflict between Spock and Sarek. Mm. And there's a whole new dimension that's just been added to that. And that new dimension is Michael Burnham. That's an, this is an element of the story we've never heard before. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and what's cool about it too, is that like, you've got uh, a, a situation, you've got Sarah in a situation that a lot of people are facing now in the world political climate right now. How does a parent, make the best decisions for their children in the face of xenophobia. Mm-hmm. So at this point that Spock did not choose to, to go to join the Vulcan, uh, this Vulcan uh, force. So the, the, the decision that, that Sark had to make was, was uh, Nolan, Nolan void, I guess uh, it was all for nothing because Spock chose to join Starfleet anyway. Yeah deepens the pathos it deepens the 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 agony that Sarek must be in and and while yeah. the and it deepens the conflict it's it it, it because it's then it's not just uh, uh because what we've gone from is 
understanding that, oh, well, Sarek had these certain expectations for his son and he saw too much of himself in his son and was trying to live through his son. So, and, but Spock didn't go with that program. So, you know, it's the old story where a parent tyrannizes their children with their own expectations or whatever. Yeah. And now this goes way beyond that. This is much deeper than that because Sarek was so committed, committed to that idea of Spock joining the Vulcan Expeditionary Force that he was willing to sacrifice something very dear to him in order to make that happen. And Spock spit in his face. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's really interesting, especially when you think about this, again, this quote of what does he wish he'd done differently? And this is obviously going to be the one thing that he wishes he had done differently. Uh, But yeah, so basically she goes, what I liked is she goes from feeling like she was the one that disappointed Sarek to realizing that he's the one that feels like he disappointed her. And so she's, she comes to understand the humanity of her own father or her father figure, which I think is really beautiful and something that I think happens to all of us at one point or should happen to all of us at one point or another where uh, our parents mm-hmm. stop becoming the authority figure and actually become like a human being who like, wow, that must've been a really hard experience for them or, or that. Whereas like when you're young, you just feel like, you feel like your parents are just hypocrites all the time. You know, like how can they tell me what to do? And look, they just screwed up. They just made a mistake. They just, you know, they, how, how can they be the boss? Or at least if you're independent, <laughs> like some of us are, you feel that way. Well, and- because then when you're, <laughs> well, because to start with when you're three or four, they're gods to you. They can't, yeah. they can't do no wrong when you're that age. And then, but and you're then- quickly disillusioned by that. Cause of course they're not. Yeah, well, and when you're a teenager, I that's when I think it feels like, oh, well, they're hypocrites. They're telling me what to do, how to live my life. But look at the, all the mistakes they're making. So I think when you have that moment uh, when you realize they're just like me, they were just trying to do the best they could. They were just, uh, yeah. then I, I don't know, it's just an interesting moment. And I like the way that they showed that here. I thought it was really beautiful. I, 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 was, I was moved by it. And I, I absolutely love that moment where um, she's trying to get him to talk about it in the aftermath of this. I talk about what they both experienced in that mental, in that psychic space. And, yeah. and um, he won't. He wants to kind of say, well, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you mean. Right. And she's like, you know, come on. And, and, and she's going, you know, I, I expected more from you. You can do better, but I won't push you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she high and then she high five spock out the door you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's only so much i can expect from this person uh yeah, yeah. she even says i think we'll have this conversation one day father yeah that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really good that was really good yeah and, yeah, was, I, and, and, and oh, sorry, he reaches ahead. a level of maturity that i'm not so sure we ever did with spock <laughs> and in fact i want to go back and look at the record and 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 try to see if Spock ever maybe reached that point. Maybe I can intuit a point where he, Spock was able to kind of uh, move on, I guess. Yeah. That's why Spock was sort of, he had to work so hard to, to like become emotional because he just had to uh, kind of shut that side of him. You know, I know that that's partly how Vulcans are, but I don't know. He, I think he probably had to shut sort of that side of himself off with, with 
I don't know, this experience with his his father and letting his father down and different things like that. Uh, we do flip back and forth between what's going on with Lorca and what's going on with uh, Burnham. And uh, Cornwell does say, I've watched you change these last few months. You've changed. And she says, I can't leave Starfleet's most powerful weapon in the hands of a broken man. Very well acted, that whole scene. Yeah, very well acted. And like I said, they I felt like they had such chemistry together and, and really felt like uh, f- like friends and people who cared about each other. And, and that you could see sort of this PTSD sort of idea, I think, with Lorca. That he wasn't really willing to deal with completely. That he was kind of in denial about. But obviously, mm-hmm. as soon as his scars get touched, like he has this like huge reaction with grabbing a phaser and everything and this very very strong reaction response was a bit out of proportion to the situation yeah yeah exactly so okay so cornwell ends up going to meet sark gets uh sark is wounded very very wounded uh but uh they they get him onto the ship uh and so cornwall decides to go and meet with the klingons instead of the vulcans and uh the uh, cornwall cornwell says that she wants Lorca to step down and get help when she returns but mm-hmm. uh the the klingons basically they they massacre all the anybody who's everybody but cornwall who's in this expedition and uh and the klingon says i was hoping to get a high-ranking vulcan but she is much better and that this whole thing was basically like a trap to capture uh to capture them it wasn't really a peace a peace uh, negotiation at all so yeah mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting to see what happens what happens next yeah and it's well I, this is another way I, I feel like this series is adding uh, layers of dimension and appreciation to what's already what we already have in star trek so um you know in, in the original series the klingons are kind of the stand-in for the soviet union There's, they always have kind of these cold war standoffs with them um and uh in star trek six you get kirk going you know oh, spock says oh they're all gonna die he's like let them die um and um you know don't believe them don't trust them you know and and you see he's like wow he's foaming at the mouth what I, well, if you've been through this, if you've been through this crap, if you read the captain's logs around this, you'd be like, oh boy, you just, yeah, you, no, just no. There's never going to be two <laughs> Klingons. They're a mess. Just mm-hmm. don't even go near that. Yeah. So it's now, now Kirk's attitude is completely understandable. Um, and, and, and in a way, like the fanboy in me is, is I'm starting to just realize that I'm getting the Klingons I wanted. <laughs> mm. I'm getting the backstabbing, ambitious, you know, no holds barred um, Klingons that um, I, that you kind of come to, that you get to know in the original series, like they're, where they're not, they're not worried about torture, you know, or that's, that, their honor does not put them above torture or, uh, or, you know, dirty tactics or any of that. Um, in the, in the, in in the next generation and in subsequent series, you get a sense that like, Oh no, they do have an internal code and they're not such bad blokes after all, you know, because you know, the Federation's at peace with them. Um, but yeah, now we're getting the, the vicious nasty Klingons mm-hmm. as bad guys uh, for sure. 
Yeah, you really see. I'm enjoying that. Yeah, you really see that these are people at war. Like this is a this is a uh, not a uh, uh, this is a savage savage uh, group here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and uh, so it's going to be you know interesting to see what happens next with Cornwell and with Lorca and uh, with everything. Uh, It's um. Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how uh, Lorca's PTSD, or for lack of a better word, how that's going to come into play now when his friend and uh, and you know this person who wants him to step down and everything, how all these conflicted emotions, how that's all going to pl- come into play now that she's captured, and uh, and also they have Sarek, and you have all of this this interesting stuff going on between Burnham and her you know and him and him and i don't know it's it's just a lot of there's a lot of interesting things uh i think going into the next episode and mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i was just i don't know i was just really moved by it i thought it was really engrossing i i just really enjoyed it so the next episode is magic to make the sanest man go mad so that is a very interesting title <laughs> <laughs> So you know, the long title. So it has a, it does have a, an original series uh, vibe to it. So mm, yeah. It. So, all right. Well, uh, I I would give this was my favorite episode of the season so far. I I really liked it a lot, and uh, so yeah, we just have three more left uh, to talk about and uh, of this season. And uh, I found out so basically, like they're doing this season in two batches, so they're gonna have. Uh, the the first nine now and then i think in uh the spring i guess there's gonna be another batch of this season is what i read and then we just found out that uh that the series has been renewed for season two so that's very exciting yeah yeah just found out yesterday so i'm really i'm really glad so yeah star trek lives (laughs) So I'm ex- I'm excited uh, that to hear that news. So all right, well great. Uh, well, we will talk next week. And uh, where can where can people find you? Um, on Twitter at Almano Roboto. Um, you can also find my verse uh, inspired by Disneyland at Happy Place Poems. Also on Twitter. Great. Okay. Yeah, you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. And, uh, and you can find Rachel's reviews on iTunes. So definitely check that out. And uh, thanks so much for talking to, uh, with me about Star Trek Discovery. My pleasure. <laughs>